everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director. The original podcast made by a creative director for creative directors, for aspiring creative directors, and for creatives of all types. Welcome back to the program. I am your host, Jaime Cabrera, veteran creative director. And I don't know if you if you know this, but uh, you know I've been kind of quiet about it. I've been a little bit shy. Haven't been talking about it too much on LinkedIn. But uh, I am the author of a new book uh, geared towards aspiring creative directors. It's a field manual of sorts. It's everything that you need to know uh, about the role, how to prepare for it, what you can expect. It's called "What's the Big Idea: An Indispensable Guide to Becoming a Kick-Ass Creative Director." So if you're somebody who's looking to become a kick-ass creative director, pick that up. It's available on Amazon or through my website, JaimeCabreraCreative.com. And speaking of kick-ass creative directors, on today's show, we have creative director Sarah May Bates. She works for the amazing agency RPA in Santa Monica, California. She is a true multi-hyphenate. Uh, not only is she a creative director, but she's also an author. Uh, she's a licensed um, therapist, marriage counselor. Um, she's a director. She started has been directing some of uh, some spots. Um, she is a stunt car driver. She has a podcast with millions and millions of listeners. She's got a blog, um, and and most importantly, she's just a really really great. Person. I think you guys are going to take a lot away from this uh, conversation. Uh, we go deep. We get into a lot of uh, uh, cool stuff about therapy and working on yourself and, and getting through uh, to becoming really your best self, which is something that she's really passionate about. So without further ado, Sarah May Bates. Sarah May Bates. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I always love it when people have three names. It just sounds so... <laughs> I don't know. It just adds a certain air to it. Sarah Maybanks. <laughs> it's way more searchable on the old Google too. <laughs> Is that uh, maybe that was that by design? Maybe did yeah. you add that in there just to make it more? Literally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing Thank well. Thank you for I'm having excited. me on. It's yeah, it's an honor. No, it's 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 great to have you on. We've been uh, trying to make this happen for. Uh, for a few weeks now, so I'm I'm glad that we finally uh, made it happen. Uh, what's what's going on over there? You, you you seem to be a very very busy person. You got all kinds of stuff <laughs> going on with uh, with your day job, and then you've got your your podcast, and you've got your blog, and which we'll get into all of that. But uh, give us a little sort of a little overview of how you got to uh, where you are now. Just sort of give us the. Uh, the the rundown your your career trajectory mm. as it were yeah i'm I, i've been called multi-hyphenate that's my <laughs> that's what i guess my uh yeah my defining trait is yeah i have a so i have a master's in marriage marriage and family therapy which i did while i was still practicing as a creative director which is as you can imagine uh a shit ton of work <laughs> so I was working as a, a therapist on weekends while working as a creative director on the weekdays um, I'm no longer doing that but it still has like very much informed my 
podcast, which is like basically all about creativity and mental health and like self realization, I guess. Yeah. Um, or actualization. And um, I, I, it's one of those things that I can't not do. It's like very much an outlet and for everything that I'm processing or anything I'm moving through or the lessons I learn in my own life. So it's like, it's almost like I have to put it out there. Even yeah. if, you know, even if it was going to nobody, I would still be making it. So um, it's, it's like a very much a, a joy project. And then work-wise, I am at uh, RPA, which is very close to where you are. I'm in Santa Monica, and um, I am a VP creative director. I work on Honda mostly, but I also work on new business and a couple other random projects that come through, like PBS Kids and Leica and a couple others. Yeah, I was going through, I was doing my research and looking at, at some of the work, and it's interesting, and we'll, we'll talk about this um, some more, but it's interesting how I feel like, and I'll, I'll be curious to get your take on how some of this, some of the work that you do outside of your day job sort of factors in there, and, and one of the spots that caught my eye was one on, on your book, but we'll, we'll mm -hmm. talk about that um, here in a second. Okay, so you've been at RPA for, what, 10 years now? 13 years 13 years yeah and and how did you how did you start off because I, as you said you're a multi-hyphenate right so as i was looking <laughs> at your at your profile here you're you write but you you're also a designer you're an art director you kind of do it all so how did you get to where you are now give us sort of the the background on that well, I think like most people in college, you're kind of like, I don't know what I want to do. And you're like looking at the majors and you're looking at what the requirements are. And I'm like, I don't really know what these things are. So I just kind of picked based on like the general areas of like the electives you got to take. So advertising, actually both my parents did some form of advertising in my childhood, but advertising had like a little bit of everything. And I loved that. So I got to take film. I got to take some history. Um, I went to Art Center in Pasadena, but it allowed me to like dabble in all the disciplines because I, at first I was like, maybe I'll be an illustrator because I just, I love drawing. But anyway, you, you graduate and then you're like, and now I have to get a job. And so you end up getting a job. And so the first job I had was art director and I really wanted to be a good art director. Yeah. And it was always, it was never really fun. You know, I, I got good at it and I mm -hmm. like worked as an art director for maybe, I want to say seven years. But I, it was one of those things that stressed me out so much. Like, I could never really, like, enjoy the process. It was a lot of, like, it took a lot of research and a lot of, like, private work where I'm like, don't look, don't look. You know, like, <laughs> I hated people sitting behind me while I was comping, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then where, when I was at my agency, my, uh, my partner left. And then I w it was just me solo. And they didn't wow. hire me a partner for a while. And so I was like, in order to sell work, I just had to keep producing work and I ended up really liking writing wow. um, more. I mean, I think just cause I really like storytelling that aspect of advertising and you know, script writing is visual. So it, it's kind of the same job. It's just like you're, you owe different things at the end of the day. So anyway, when I was doing both jobs, I built uh, some credits up as a writer. So that allowed me to transition over to being a writer. Cause I was like, at the end of the day, I want to be the person that's staying late at night that owes the words and doesn't owe the comps. Um, that said, it's so helpful to do both. Like to be able to do both today is yeah. like, I'm so grateful I've done both jobs because it's like, 
sometimes I do have to do all of it myself. And like, yeah. it's it's nice to be able to just build a deck and send it out and not have to like stop somebody and be like, hey, can you show me how to do this? Right. Um, so that's kind of how I train people now. It's like you should know how to do all things just in case you have to do them. And you're not like you're not using half of your person in the rest of your life. Like use all of yourself at your job too, no matter what your title is. So like know how to build a deck, know how to pull yeah. scrap, know how to, and if you're an art director, like know how to write everything, just use your brain. Like you yeah. talk to somebody, you know, that's really cool. And, and it brings me to this thought of how does that kind of factor into the way that you see the role of being a creative director? Because you can see both of those things. How would you describe the role of being a creative director to somebody else? I think it's kind of like, um, I don't know, maybe a sculptor. Like it's like, it's almost like there, I think of creativity or, or concepting as like there is a an ideal or perfect solution to the problem. Like the solution is finite and everybody's really just like chiseling away at that block to find out what it is and just polish away all the extraneous stuff to make it that. And I think like having both skill sets, it really allows you to do that and hear it better, I guess. Whereas sometimes like I know you write songs. Right. And I like <laughs> I can produce music. I can't write music. But it's like there's just something innate that you're like, I know where this wants to go. And you're like listening for the, the right answer in other people's work. So it, if anything, I think it just makes that a little maybe stronger. Yeah. To hear the so, notes. So when you were talking a few minutes ago about how you now incorporate sort of what you went through as a way to, to um, train the people that are that that you manage how do you how do you do that like are there certain things that you uh certain techniques or certain things that you try to teach them to show them sort of that that two-sided sort of approach that you have of writing and the visual part mm -hmm. yeah i mean it depends on the person but usually like if there's anybody that's a a junior i, I do a lot of trainings with our um any of the creative interns like that's kind of my role as far as like the creative department goes. But as if anybody's on my team, if they have like a skill set that needs boosting, I'll I'll usually sit with them individually and just like give them the hacks. And really, not, yeah. Usually, what I'm doing is I'm giving them all the cheats, just because it's like it can be so intimidating. And I think a lot yeah. of people feel like, well, I didn't I didn't go to design school or. I didn't um, go anywhere to get trained to do this. And I'm like, you don't need that. Like, this is real. You already know how to do all of this. It's it's almost like talking to them in metaphors. Like, it's kind of like you're doing this, but in here. And, like, when you're talking to clients, you got to do it this way. And, like, just picture it this way. It's just – it's really just making it less, um, you know, formal and way more – you know what you're doing. Like, yeah. you got to lean into your own confidence. I love I love teaching with metaphors because it's just so easy to you know kind of uh, understand. So what are these? Can we expect you to like put these hacks out there? Maybe this is a new add another thing to your to your list. Maybe you need to publish <laughs> these hacks. I'm I'm curious, and it's and it's really it's really refreshing to hear that you are are. Um, you know, that buttoned up in your approach that when somebody comes into your team or into the agency that you have these these trainings or that you have this available to them because that's not something that you hear very often, right? It's mm -hmm. it's it's a lot of times it's kinda like, 
sink or swim or you're, you're going to learn as you go. But that's that's kind of refreshing that you have sort of are these are these like formalized? Like do you, do you have like a presentation or is it more just kind of a conversation or tell us more about that? Because that's that's super fascinating. Um, my training is a presentation, so that's yeah. formal, but it's very it's just like very simple slides. And then it's just me talking and giving anecdotes. And I feel like that just makes it less like as a junior, I remember there being so many acronyms that I didn't know and so many right. like, you know, I, I didn't know the decorum, I guess, for all these situations. And so it's like I'm trying to give everybody all of that stuff. Like there's nothing that you should be too afraid to ask that kind of thing. You know what I mean? And if you do, if you are too afraid to ask, like ask me and I'll tell you. Um, and then when I'm sitting with people, sometimes I'm doing, you know, practicing presentations with them or sometimes the other thing I want to do with most people, especially if they're, you know, just starting is like, I want them to leave with a better book than where, when they started. So a lot of the time what I'm doing is I'm reviewing portfolios and I'm saying like, this is how this looks to the outside world. This is what I would do if I were you while you're here. These are the types of pieces I would put in your book. And this is like why I want to see these if I don't know anything about you. So I think that's, I don't know. I'm just trying to put myself in the position of being young or being at a different stage in my career. Because it's like, it's so scary and like nebulous. Like you you know all these agency names. You don't really know who does what. You don't know right. like how to get in there or like how you're perceived. So I don't know. I think it's like. In sim in some ways, it's similar to my podcast where I'm trying to I'm very yeah. much help helping myself through other people, you know, like talking about stuff I'm struggling with. And it's like helpful for me to process kind of thing. Yeah. But it's also I mean, it sounds like you create and I've talked to a lot of people uh, about this. Right. It, it sounds like you're creating a really safe environment for all your creatives to feel um well safe obviously but also empowered to ask questions and to feel like you know like there's no like there are no dumb questions and they belong and they're able to share ideas without ridicule so tell us about kind of the environment because a lot of times and i and i make a joke about this right it's like what we've what what we see um portrayed in advertising agencies as a cool environment is like people riding around on scooters and there's a there's a pool table and there's yeah. a bar and what i've what i've talked about is like who gives a shit if you have all that stuff but you have a crappy environment where if you're not you don't feel safe to share ideas or it's kind of clicky or mm -hmm. you know there's all kind of there's secrecy or people don't want to collaborate or there's silos or can you share a little bit about how you create that environment? Because it sounds like a, like you do have that. Oh Would you God. say that's – is that accurate? Absolutely accurate. I, I mean, if you look at the track record of RPA, like nobody leaves. It, it's like really? insane. The Yeah, like people I work with have been there for like before – since before I was born. <laughs> like it's crazy. And that is because it's like – it is a true ethic to the company that like people don't treat other people badly and like your your life matters and like your life also comes first. So I feel like that's I don't know. It, it's a, a rare place in this industry, but it's definitely like a, a true a true thing. So one of the things um, I would say like their their tagline, I worked on the positioning for the agency and we were trying to figure out like what is the what do we have that nobody else has as far as other agencies go? And I'm like, oh, 
people. We're really nice people and we're really good to people and we think about people in terms of our, of our messaging. And like I personally, as far as work goes, I very much want people to be happy when they watch my work and I want them to feel respected and I want them to be entertained or get something useful out of it. Like that is my goal. And that ethic is true for just the creative department and I think the agency as a whole. So it's like, you know, if your sister's getting married and it's at the same time as a shoot, like you're going to go to your sister's wedding and we'll find right. coverage for the shoot. Like that's definitely like the way we think. And it, what I think it does most is it makes people feel very invested and very valued. And it shows in just how people listen to one another and how people respect one another in meetings. Like there's not a lot of like, I don't know, you know that thing where account people will treat creative people like, oh, you're trying to get away with something. And like, oh, yeah, it's you're always about talking about yourselves. And like there's yeah. that weird yeah. antagonistic. Like we don't have that. So <laughs> that's it's like, great. Yeah, it's awesome. And I've been in a lot of agencies where it was the opposite. And it's just like it can ruin everything about a job just to have one person that's, uh, you know, rude or backstabbing or I don't know, dismissive. Yeah. Like it changes the chemistry of an entire day just to have one of those people you interact with. And, and so what are your thoughts on, because I, I write about this in, in my book about, you know, kind of like formula relationships with all the other groups within the agency, right? And you brought up the whole, the age old battle between account and, and creative. <laughs> and so it sounds like you don't have that that battle there. But what are, do you include them in, in your process when you're coming up with um, with concepts? And if so, how do they how do they factor in? Because what I found is, Typically, those folks got into this business because they want to be involved with the creative in some way. Maybe they themselves are not trained designers or writers or whatever, but they have some kind of creative bent to them. And they figured that the best way for them to be involved is uh, sort of on the account business side. But they have ideas, right? They're creative too. Do you involve them in the process? And if, and if, and if so, how do you do that? Um, I mean, they're definitely busy enough that I don't think they are, are trying to get in on the like concepting sure. rounds. Um, but then when we do have creative reviews, like they'll, they'll throw out solves and like yeah. we take them to heart. So to, to be completely honest, like ideas can and do come from everywhere. Right. Um, they don't normally come from other departments, but like they can, we're not yeah. at all, um, closed off to that and sometimes if we do disagree like if something comes from an account person and they say like we're not bringing that or like that's totally off usually what it takes is like a one-on-one -on -one conversation to understand the thinking and then consensus will come out of that i feel like when you have a really tight-knit group and you work together for so many years you really do just know people and know where they're coming from and know that they're not saying it for no reason so right and typically that might be something that they know about the client or something totally. they've heard recently or some new piece of information that they may not have shared or they can't share or there's any number of reasons, right? Absolutely. And so typically it's more of a they're, – they're, they may be building on ideas or offering, you know, sort of different uh, tweaks or things of that mm -hmm. nature. That's yeah. more of how they fit in, yeah. Totally. Or if, to your point, I think it is often like, oh, we just heard this one note and this is why we're reacting. And then we can address that specific note. 
So it's so client related. Can you tell us a little bit more? So we we've we've talked a little bit about that part of your process, but what other? Let's say you've got a new, you know, some new uh, assignment comes in. What what is a typical process look like from that point forward? And understanding that it's always different, I'm sure. But are there some standard things that you do? You know, are you really big on sort of the the briefing phase, or you know, kind of give us a kind of a you know an inside view of of how things work uh, on your team? Mm. I'll take if like you an can. Ideal. Yeah. I mean, I'll take an ideal example. (laughs) An ideal example would be like something that's a big new launch of something or it's, you know, a big campaign that's got like the sky's the limit kind of thing. And, you know, that when we get that kind of brief, it's like it could be anything. So it's really at the beginning is like trying to get the box smaller and smaller just for people to be able to like hit the target better. Um, And so usually what I'll do is I'll just spend some time thinking about what you know what work is similar like what are we aiming for hmm. um what could it be and then once i can kind of digest it in my own head then i'm it's it's like a, a a mini version of a strategy where i meet with creatives and i just talk about like this is the strategy this is like what we're these are the types of things out there that are somewhat related to what we're aiming for if we mm-hmm. could integrate um, XYZ from our our history in in our own work and and create something that's in this vein that would be a sweet spot and then you know I mean in in some ways when you work with a team long enough you're speaking in shorthand but yeah. it's kind of like it's the creative department's version of a strategy I guess is what I start with so okay this is this is interesting so so typically and, and all agencies are different right so is there a whole strategy side that you're oh, yeah, working yeah, yeah. with as well? But Absolutely. they're not. But they're not typically. Are they? How involved are they in in um, coming up with the brief, or do they come up with a strategic brief and then you have a separate creative brief, or how does yes. it? Is yeah, that the so way it works? Okay. To rewind, they have been strategies already been working on the strategy for let's say a year, <laughs> and they have like funneled all of this information and, and and kind of distilled it into like a sentence and like they have okay. a, a deck they presented and then the account department has to present it also the brief so we know exactly the media we know exactly the strategy and the why like why we're doing this who we're talking to and why yep but sometimes when something is lofty that's still like the sky you know what i mean yeah so when i when we get all of those materials the first thing after that for me is to like distill that into like what are what are what kind of executions are we trying to do here and like how should it sound like that kind of thing yeah and i think that's usually especially helpful for younger creatives just because that you know that thing when you're young you start to like try and talk like a commercial would talk or yeah. you try, you know, like you're like, um, if you don't know exactly what to say, it's like you try to sound like you know what to say. And that's like, those efforts are not necessarily useful. So usually what I talk to individual creatives about is like, these are examples of your work that I think would be awesome for something like this. Like lean into these skills that you already have. You're really great at finding incredible new visual effects techniques like this type of thing would be great for this this type of thing would be great for this this type of thing would be great for this like channel that bring me more of that 
and you know what I mean? Like some yeah. some other creatives are better at like narrative, so it'll be like, okay, imagine this is like you're writing for blank. So yeah, as I said, metaphors. That's cool. <laughs> I, I, yeah, metaphors are great, and I and I wrote this one down about you know you're that you're just trying to make the box smaller and smaller, right? Which mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, think that it's the opposite, right? It's like, oh, it's completely open. And it's like, no, that's not. That's so good. hard. You want yeah. you don't want you want constraints otherwise mm-hmm. a it's a lot harder and b you're not i mean they're not the, the ideas aren't like laser focused right they're sort of you know it's like the more constraints that you can apply is better you, you agree with that mm-hmm. i totally agree at least as a beginning you know just to like figure out to have something to react to because it's like the thing will tell you what it wants to be and it's like really on us to just give ourselves feedback to be able to look at an object and talk about the object and then respond to it. It's like that will teach us what it wants to be, but we need to like start somewhere. And in order to start, I think we just need to even – we have to narrow down the target enough. Yeah. So uh, – and you've already kind of get, painted a pretty good picture, but if I were to ask some other – some people that are on your team, some people that that, that you um, oversee, what would they say about your approach or what other things might they share about the way that you – that you coach or that you mentor or that you provide feedback? What do you think that they would say? Or what would you want them to say? Because mm. it sounds, I like, I like what, what I like your approach and it's different from um, some of the other folks uh, that I, that I've had on the show. It, it, you know, so I like how you're kind of using their own work to help them figure out, you know, what this new work is. That's something that I, that I've never really, I've heard of other people saying, hey, it should feel like this. And they're pointing to other work outside the agency or from other brands or, you know, other competitors or whatever. But I, but this idea of like looking at their individual work, that's interesting to me. I think that also helps with confidence because, I mean, I'm I'm not sure when you were born, but like my generation, <laughs> when I came up in advertising, like people were like, not the nicest, <laughs> I would say, like you you were uh there was a lot of harassment and it was okay and it was kind of like um much more cutthroat i guess yeah and it was excused and now i think like at least the younger generation is very very sensitive and um way more aware i would say and like i think one of the things i've learned just as a manager is like what i have to do to guide creative is first start to like make them understand they're good at what they're doing and like remember that because like we really have to be in that energy in order to be creative people we have to learn to get in that flow state where we're feeling like inspired um artistic like expressive like we have something new that we can express that other people want to hear and when we're in that energy like so much great stuff comes out so I think first for me is to start with people's strengths and say, like, you know what you're doing. You did it here. This is what I want to see more of. Like, if you could combine this with this, this is this new symphony that comes out of those two disparate things. Like, right. it's kind of like teaching people how to play. It's, it's like leaning into a new area based on where they already have been, but like pushing themselves into a new area. So... That seems to have been effective, especially with very young people. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that is um, it's almost like you're beating them to the 
imposter syndrome punch. In other words, before they start to get into their own head, you're already kind of telling them you are you're 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 kind of validating like you're good you're already good at this so before they start getting in their own head you're already kind of beating them to the punch because mm-hmm. i think you know um as i mentioned to you previously you know that's probably the biggest thing that i hear from people on the on the podcast is just you know how everybody still struggles with imposter syndrome so it, it it's kind of uh that's what it sounds like to me is that oh totally is that what I, you're sort of doing i think so and i i would also say it, it's like how i I look for talent as well it's like it's not necessarily about resume or work experience it's really about like the person and and the person and what they have to say and what experiences they have to draw from because like a lot of people we have we've brought on recently are like this is their their third career or they have you know they have had to take a break for a while from their career it's like or they haven't been you know, trained, like, you know, trained at a design school or whatever right. it is. And I think all it, it comes down to like, what is kind of the, the unique cocktail that they bring to the creative department and like how they can give us a new voice that's not the same, you know, cookie cutter right. voice that we get from a lot of the same types of people, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go go back to something that you were talking about, right? Which is the how this industry in the past, you know, hasn't always been the nicest, right? And it was almost kind of like a, it was almost like I've met people that came up in in that um, time as well that took on that took on that those same bad habits, right? Because they mm. thought that's the way it was supposed to be, right? You're supposed mm-hmm. to berate the people underneath you and you're supposed to make them, you know, stay late and you're supposed, you know what I mean? Like all that, all that stuff. Cause they, that's the way they were, that it happened to them. And they just figured, well, I guess that's the way you do it. And that's the way you, you know, build these people up. But how did you manage to sort of do a 180 on that? Because your approach is completely the opposite of that. How did you escape that? Cause I have met some people that just completely kept that going and, mm-hmm. You know, they they crashed and burned, but um, yeah. you know, how did you manage to? How did you make that switch, or how did you not let it? Yeah, um, I think it's uh, probably in part just the natural evolution I had as a person. I think a lot of the time, people who are who are really abusive are really insecure, and they're just externalizing all of the feelings they have inside onto other people and making people respect them or cower or fear them because they're just fear they have fear in themselves so I think as a young person I was definitely super defensive like I remember Mm -hmm. I can just remember myself as like a junior and being like no I like it that way like everything was like a don't don't criticize me and it was like I could tell it was really frustrating for people who managed me and because it's like you can't hear when you're defensive, you just like block everything out. Um, and I think as I started to get some confidence, like I, I won quite a bit of awards like early on, and I was like, "Oh, that's that's what I was thinking was so important." Like, huh? All right. It's like you see behind the curtain, kind of. You're like, "That's not yeah. changing how I feel about myself." 
and I, I really, what I had, I had to do is do like a ton of work in therapy. Um, I had like, I don't know, probably a good five or six years where I just worked on myself. It wasn't initiated by advertising. Um, but it definitely changed who I was everywhere, you know, in my work self and my relationship self and my being by myself self, like all of that changed. And I just could see myself as like, um, I could receive for the first Mm. time and like I could be flexible. I could uh, be open. And I think that it's just like a, another version of maturity. So as a mature person coming up in a creative field, you just, you can see people, you can hear what they're going through. You cannot take things personally. It's like things don't land on me anymore. And they used to, like if somebody was rude to me back in the day, I'd be like, why did they do that? What was, what did I do? I didn't even do anything to them. Like, why are they mean to me? Why are they mad at me? And, and, you know, work situations, boss, employee or boss subordinate relationships, very much mirror like caregiver child relationships, like Mm. as far as how we experience them. So a lot of people will relive a lot of like childhood stuff and kind of project it onto their boss. Um, but a lot of that stuff is like so unconscious. So after all my work in therapy, I feel like I grew up and I like could see everything for what it was. And I wasn't taking things personally. Like I wasn't taking my boss personally anymore. I wasn't taking other people's feelings personally. Um, and it just allows you to like be an open source of compassion for people. It's, it's awesome. I recommend therapy to anybody who will (laughs) possibly listen to me. Yeah. Um, I love how you're how you're so open about this. And 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 was this a, around the same time that you started the podcast and the blog, or when did that happen? Was it after you were done with the therapy? And in, in some ways, was it sort of a continuation of that? Oh, totally. Therapy? Totally. Um, I did. I started it probably. It was probably later than that, but I. It was like basically my version of trying to give people everything I got. Because I was like, hey, everyone needs to know about this. This is the best thing ever. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of this? And I'm like, I just want to sing it from the rooftop. So that's definitely where it comes from. Um, Because it is. It's like getting a a key to a whole different version of the world. You're like, everybody, what? All I feel is love. (laughs) I would totally love to give it to everybody. Okay, so so let's talk about each one sort of individually. So... Um, the podcast is help me be me. Mm -hmm. So kind of give us, and I love the tagline here, which is self-help for people who hate (laughs) self-help. Yeah. So give us the sort of the, the, uh, you know, the, the slug line for the, for this besides that, like what, what, what's, what can people expect to hear on the podcast? Uh, you can learn everything about me that (laughs) you probably would want to know. Um, it's a lot of me talking. So I think most people go to podcasts because they want to hear interviews. This is not interviews. I mean, there are a couple, but it's yeah, it's just me talking. It's literally t- me talking to you like we're really good friends. And yeah. I'm just like breaking something down. And um, it's kind. it actually started as me talking to myself. And I was like doing voice memos to myself just to like ground and remind myself of like the truth and like how to reorient to like where I want to go. Uh, and then I started asking, like, maybe somebody else would be help, helped by this. Like, maybe I should post this. 
And that's yeah. kind of what a couple of the early episodes are. Um, but to answer your question, it is their practical tools and um, tips for anyone who wants to grow their source of self-love and um, I guess fulfill their goals. Like if, if people feel stuck, mm-hmm. I used to be so stuck in so yeah. many like gnarly issues. I was a drug addict. I had eating disorders. I had so many problems that were just chronic and I didn't, I tried everything I could to stop. And I really didn't realize that like all of the things that I was doing were a result of all of these things that everybody in the world, if they had been through what I had been through, would do exactly the same thing I was doing. And once I learned that, I was like, oh, it's not me. It's not my problem. It's something that everybody would do. It, it like was a key that just unlocked that for me. And and then, of course, I could tackle it and work through all of the causes. And then they went away. But I think a lot of people, when they're stuck, they just think that they're dumb or they're incapable or they're not smart enough to solve it. And so... I guess the podcast is just, it's tackling a bunch of like really gnarly, overwhelming things and saying like, hey, if this is happening to you, you're not an idiot and you're not unique. It's probably because of X, Y, or Z. And here's a couple of things that I would do if you are in this situation right now. That's amazing. And and it must have um, and and probably continues to to touch a lot of people because uh, we were talking earlier and you mentioned to me that um, pretty early on, it got it got recognized by Apple as like a top podcast, and it went seemingly overnight. Right? You you yeah. like woke up one morning and you realized that you had all these subscribers. Tell us about tell us about that. Yeah, well, I like it was one of those things. You know, there are I don't know how many. Let's say three trillion podcasts out there. There are so many podcasts, and yeah. I was just putting them out there and putting them out there. And I just kept. I had like a vision board. Then it was like, if I've helped one person, that's all that matters. And that's just how I did it for years. And I just kept putting them out there. And I'm like, I remember one day I looked at my whatever stats page and it was like millions of people. And I was like, what? Is this a glitch? This has got to be a glitch. And then I looked at Apple's homepage and it was like the top podcast in health. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> but yeah, that's I mean, awesome. I also had a um, a blog that I used to write for Hello Giggles that was like, I don't know how many years, probably 10 years or something that I was writing for them. And that that was kind of the beginning of it. So a lot of the work also lived on that side. So I I have had some listenership before that. It was just, yeah, that made me blow up. (laughs) That's so cool. And and so does the blog, which is which is a yay with uh, yay with me, do they kind of work together or are they are they separate, but they 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 cover some of the same ground? So Yay With Me um, is like just the hub. So I have, I've written a couple books and I have a another podcast with a girl who has an app called Mend um, that is a breakup app. And then I have a, a breakup album podcast album, which is like for anyone that goes through a breakup. And I also coach people. So all of that is like Yay With Me is the hub of all of the things I do. Oh my gosh! I didn't know about I I I missed that part. I didn't know about the books. Now we got to go into the books. Like, what? T- tell me about the books. I the I wrote them a long time ago now, so I probably would like if I reread them, I'd be like, I got to edit this, 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 yeah, this. Yeah. Like, you, you know, it's never done. Um, but one is just like it's basically a collection of the tools I have, and if I were to publish it today, it would be like 
500 page long 500 pages longer but it's um yeah it's just like a I would call it like the triage toolkit for if you're like in a stage of emotional suffering it's so it's called um help me be me the, a self-care toolkit and so it's like for all the stages of like emotional pain you might go through that's what's in yeah. there and then the other one is a journal and that's like a daily journal it's just like the process i do myself as far as daily journaling go goes but um it just synthesizes it into a little you know you can fill it out on every day kind of thing wow that's really cool so now kind of coming back to what i mentioned earlier how do how do all these experiences and all the things that you've you've been through start to show up in the work because and maybe it's just maybe it's just in the in the work that you chose to highlight on your um on your portfolio site but for example like the uh, the the yearbook spot uh, for for Honda um, felt like I could see that coming from you because it was <laughs> you know you're you're coaching people and it and I love it and I and I had forgotten about it I, I as soon as I started playing it I'm like I remember this spot. When you start out, you might not know where you're going or what you're doing or why you're carrying this red rose with you. You just keep going, keep your focus and avoid the distractions. At times, you may fall flat on your face, but technically that's still moving forward. You gotta pick yourself up, make some moves, and do it all with a smile. Believe in yourself. You think that any of these folks believed that I'd make it? Definitely not. That was a rhetorical question, Daryl. But how does how do all these experiences start to find their way into your work? Mm. I'm I mean, sure it does, right? Totally. And I'm sure you've, you've, I'm, I'm sure you've recognized it, or maybe you haven't. But yeah, I think you're. You know, I mean, what I'm doing with my podcast is the same thing I'm trying to do with my advertising work, which is like inspire people and make them feel empowered. And like, I do think yearbooks is definitely like the most aligned with my ethos as a person, which is like, uh, never give up, and like, right. Everybody's been in a hard spot in their in their life, and like you can't let that ever deter you from going for it because i mean it literally comes down to how bad you want it if you decide you want to do something you can absolutely do anything you want to do it's just like how committed are you to, to that goal yeah i completely believe that and have you seen it you know have you seen it in other i saw the spot the work also for pbs kids and have there been other examples and, and do you recognize it instantly or are you just so used to, you know, yourself and how you see the world that you, you stop to recognize it or you, do you go like, Oh, I see why I maybe wrote this or why I did it this way. Well, I have to give a shout out to Gabriel who was the copywriter on the PBS kids work because he, it was his first project ever as uh -huh. a copywriter and it's now nominated for an Emmy. Wow. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that work definitely, it feels totally true for me as a parent and it's a, you know, it's a very sweet portrait of humanity and like a, a truth that I think so many people can relate to. I think I definitely believe that like everything I put out in the world, I will very much try and ensure it's, representing somebody in a way that is uplifting and like not in, in any way disparaging and hopefully connects on like an emotional level that resonates you know um 
but I think for sure yearbooks is like <laughs> a very help me be me kind of message. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. And then that's why it was just like, it was so, it was just kind of like a full circle uh, moment. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I get it. Now, obviously Honda is a brand that you can do that for. Have you ever in your career been on a, on a, on an assignment or on a client that you just, you just couldn't relate to? Not that they were, you know, doing anything bad necessarily, but it just, you just couldn't relate to it. And, and how do you, how do you deal with that? Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, like how do you, can you, can you sort of, and I'm sure you can, but can you just put yourself in a, in a completely different mindset that maybe isn't, it's not the way that you are as a person. Does that make sense? I mean, and obviously we have to do that because that's yeah. part of our job, but you've probably gotten to a place maybe in your career where you can kind of be a little bit more picky, maybe. <laughs> um, well, I do get probably, um, I probably get better projects today than I did when I was starting. Just, I, I guess I'm, that has been kind of like goal being based on like setting the right goals, but um, I will say like I've been on projects where I didn't feel like, you know, sometimes you have, you present so many ideas where you're like, ah, oh, this could be amazing. Like this could be the first time that a brand like this does this. And like, right. you're so excited about it. And then they don't have the same vision or they just like are too afraid to take a risk. So that's definitely happened before where you're like, but if you just tried this thing, it could be so effective and it's like it's counter to some internal, you know, rule they right. have or whatever it is. Um, I still feel like I'll present it, though. Like I've, I've definitely had situations where the account has said, like, they're never, ever, ever going to do something like that. And I've been like, please, 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 can we just make a case for it? Because like this would be so powerful. And like most of the time they'll be like, OK, we're just telling you this is what's going to happen. And we'll be like, OK, OK. Um, but we are, we're lucky that we have account people that will tr allow us to do that type of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't think I've, I'm trying to think of an example. I, I feel like I've had, I've definitely had different sensibilities throughout my yeah. career. You know, like when I was really young, I was, I worked on a beer. It was my favorite thing in the world to work on Bud. I worked on Budweiser and Bud Light and I loved it. It was, it's all I wanted to do was like really raunchy humor. And yeah. like they were so fun to write those types of spots. Um, but I would like looking back at that breadth of work today, I would probably be like, Ooh, <laughs> that's not, yeah, yeah, that's not, no, yeah. you don't say stuff like that. You know what I so mean? So do you like, think that you could go, I mean, do you think that you could go back and I guess the brands have evolved as well. Right. But do you think that you, you know, you could go back and if you had to start working on that brand again, how would it be different? I think we'd have the climate now that it could be different. For it could sure. be different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the casting would be different. Thank God. I mean, so much would be different now. And it's like, isn't it weird that it's only, you know, in the last few years that that's true? Yeah. It's crazy, right? It was the yeah. same for so long. <laughs> and now all yeah. of a sudden it's different. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> yeah. That's really, that's really interesting. So what do you, you know, just kind of, you know, talking about the work that you do with the podcast and the blog, what kind of advice or what kind of, um, you know, uh, 
what would you want to tell younger creatives coming up? If you could share one piece of advice um, about what they might experience coming up in this role or, you know, just what kind of, what would you share with, with them? If you could share it on, you know, on a, on a big scale with a bunch of, you know, younger people that are coming up in our, in our business. Mm, I mean, I tell a lot of the people I train this, but like never, ever, ever burn a bridge ever. Cause like, it doesn't even matter if, you know, that person is so deserving of it and like everybody hates them or whatever. It's like, you never know if you're going to work with them in a different capacity down the line. And this industry is so small. It's, it's also just like, it sits weird on your person. You know, it's like that's stuck to you. It's not like as much about them. It's like that's in you. If you have done something that doesn't align with who you are eventually. So yeah. like, I feel like just be nice to everybody and don't, don't like end anything on bad terms. We've come to that moment in the show where it's, it's, we got to pay off the title of the show, Confessions of a Creative Director. So Sarah Mae Bates, what do you want to confess to as your creative director confession? <laughs> well, I'm making it, I'm making it yeah, seem a lot more dramatic. I know. Than it really I'm like, is. I already told you I did a bunch of drugs. And <laughs> a bunch of so I'm like, I don't feel think this is as did you show have you let me just just as a side note um what did you were was that during the time when that was happening was that during the time when you were already working in the business or was that way before that That was was way way before before. yeah that was like high school and college okay um but let me think i don't i feel like i wanted to have something more uh spicy juicy yeah but like i used to audition for all of my spots (laughs) Like, I would, like, make my agency watch me and, like, callbacks. I would never weigh in on whether or not I should get the role, but I would, like, try and get the every single role, and I'd, like, leave the room while everybody watched my callback. Um, wait, wait, got- wait, wait, wait. Back back up, back up. <laughs> wait, play this out for me. So you're saying you're, you're, you're involved in, yeah. a, in a commercial, like you're, uh-huh. you're writing it or you're – and then you're, like – I have an idea on who should play this character in the spot. It should be me. And then you would show up to the, uh, you would show up to the audition. Yeah, would they, I mean, did they I'd know ar- that you, I'd already be in the room obviously. Cause we're casting. And then I'd be like, I'm going to, I mean, I'm a girl. I'm in my mid twenties. I'm going to audition too. And then I, they would like sit through me auditioning. And then um, later we would go through all the casting and decide who to call back. And I'd be like, I'm not going to say if I should get a call back or not, but you know, there's my That was audition. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I got one call back one time. Um, I did not get the role. I wouldn't have not. I wouldn't have given myself the role either. But you know, I, I just had to. It was one of those things where I'm like, there's so much money on the table that I could get, and I'm like, I gotta. I just gotta put my hat in the ring at least. Um, but I, I did get one role in a. What is it? I want to look a, it up. I want to <laughs> look it up. Is it a man on the street role? And that okay. was um, for Subaru. And it was like in the 90s, I think. Not the 90s. It was in the early 2000s. Um, but that was not decided by me. That was like for another agency. So that's out there in the world. That's uh, that. I love that. How did you like, how did you, would, would people give you a hard time? Like, oh, uh, yeah. here she comes again. She's going to yeah. want to be in the commercial. Yeah. Like, did it become, yeah. did it, and you were serious every time. It wasn't, was it totally didn't become serious. like a bit. It wasn't like a bit that you would just do. Like, you were serious. No, I was totally serious. Um, I, my excuse, I think, was like, hey, I'm SAG. I should try out. I mean, I might as well, <laughs> right? 
Um, and then I, I also trained as a stunt driver for similar reasons. Yes, I saw that. I saw that, and I wrote a note here. I need, you need to tell us about this. What, yeah. what is that all about? I had like this brilliant idea that I was gonna like do all of these um, precision driving roles because like it was really hard to cast women, and I was like, I'm gonna drive in. I'm gonna do this. So I like went to a bunch of stunt driving schools and like graduated, and then I was like, Yeah, I'm ready. And my agency, we cannot be in our own projects. That's not how, yeah. that's part of the policies. But I was still like out there for other jobs. And then as soon as I started getting jobs, I was like, I could die. I could get seriously hurt in this. Like, <laughs> but so wait, wait, wait. So you actually did get some work doing got, the stunt? I got offered two different jobs. And I was like, I don't think I can take this job. Like I realized as soon as I got the jobs that I was too afraid to possibly die and then i was like all right well i guess i'm not gonna do this job anymore it's still oh one of those God. things that i like i'm happy i have but i'm like i yeah i think you know what part of it was is like becoming a mom i was like i don't yeah. want my kids to maybe not have a mom because i just like was like because you wanted to be there. in it yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and how yeah. and how much of that policy that them writing that policy about pe the people that work at the agency can't be in the spots because of you <laughs> because of no. you did they write that in there no. is that a thing I, I mean do a lot of <laughs> is this a common thing that I'm not aware of of people working at agencies wanting to be in their own spots I don't know but that was at my old agency and they did not have that rule so it was fine but like this yeah RPA has a rule so it's fine it was not because of me but it exists right. and it's fine. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! All right, that's that's my dog Mac, I guess, telling me I have something to, to do. But Sarah, I, I could I could talk to you all day. This has been uh, an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for just being so open and honest, and and you just sound like an incredible creative director, incredible boss, somebody that you'd want to work with, and just a super just nice, honest, straightforward person. And I'm, I'm glad that we connected. And Aww, likewise. Uh, I hope that I hope that we can uh, just chat from time to time. And then I look forward to following all yeah. the great things that you do. And who knows what's next for you? It seems like you're, uh, you're constantly evolving and doing new things. So um, congratulations on all of that. Oh, thank you. You as well. It was lovely to get to know you. All right, we well, will talk soon. Thanks, Thanks so Sarah. much. Have a good okay. one. And there you have it, folks. Another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the Books. Thanks to my very special guest, Sarah May Bates. Wasn't she awesome? I told you. I told you it was going to be a great episode. Uh, I hope that you uh, enjoyed that and you got out as much out of it as I did because I thought that that was really uh, amazing. Um, so again, as I mentioned, pick up the book. Uh, What's the Big Idea by yours truly, if you're an aspiring creative director, makes a great gift for the holidays for your very special creative person, the very special creative person in your life. So pick that up on Amazon or you can buy it, a signed copy on my website, imakeabrarecreative.com. That's it for now. So until next time, peace, love, and creativity. See ya. <laughs>